Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The fixtures are out. Pre-season is set to start this week. It's uh, beginning to feel a lot like a new season for Norwich City. And hopefully with that comes a lot more positivity to discuss although we're going to be talking about a certain Finnish striker to start the show uh, and then we'll obviously speak about the fixtures that came out last week and uh, end on obviously Norwich City starting their 2022-23 campaign unofficially uh, at Oldest Park against Deerham Town this week. I'm Connor Southall joined by Paddy Dabbitt and Samuel Seaman for this week's Pinkin.com Norwich City podcast the podcast that um, is happy to be at the level it's at and firmly believes that if we can stay there in the next 12 months then we've done a very decent job boys thank you very much for joining me pad um what, what's what's your summer been like i think you, you've been off for a couple of weeks i think since we've done the last pod at least so what what have, what have you been up to what's it looked like have you enjoyed a little bit of a summer holiday a little one yeah a little one in the middle of household chores we won't go into that because that's a podcast in its own right but uh involved skips and various moving things into the skips uh wouldn't quite say that was feet up drinking pina coladas in the on the beach but uh yeah it, no work as in paid employment so that was nice nice chance to reflect on a Another grueling season. You can hear the violins in the background for people who get paid to watch football. But uh, it is quite tough when you've uh, done the amount of miles we end up doing, plus a few diversions down the A11, A47. That's another podcast in its own right. But, uh, of course, I think the second of the two weeks was the fixtures coming back out. So now we know where where we are. And uh, I've worked it out. It's about 9,100 miles. And that's that's without any playoff games, which who knows. So, uh, yeah. You definitely need a bit of downtime, uh, and uh, now I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, that deer on Friday night, we'll get into that in due course on this pod. But, um, I know it's a ridiculously quick turnaround, but the sooner the better because we're all trying to, uh, whether you're fans, media, anybody connected with Norwich City, we're all trying to forget last season and how it tailed off and, and all the frustration and angst that it induced. So, for me. The sooner we can turn the page and move on, the better for all concerned. So, uh, yeah, I think I definitely needed a little bit of time off and the house is now looking like a palace. So, yeah, bring it on. Bring on 22-23. Same for you, boys. Yeah, I think I think I'm ready for it now. I think you you have that period where certainly after last season it was probably needed a little bit of a break from it all. Uh, obviously, that that doesn't really work for us in practice because we have to still produce content every day to fill a newspaper. But you you do get a little bit of a break from as you say traveling and attending games and that respite. I think was 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 much needed. Um, Sam, I'll I'll come across to you. How's how's your summer been? What's it what's it looked like? What have you been up to? I, I think a lot of it for you probably would have been around a, a move, right? Uh, that, that's that's probably fair to say. So that's that's chaotic and maybe hectic in itself. So probably not the break that you needed it after a, a, a little bit of a. Well, you got you got the end of it, but you know, as a fan, you got the whole you got the entirety. So a tough season anyway. 
Yeah, it's been extremely exciting searching for a flat to stay in in Norwich. Um, but no, it's it's definitely kept me busy. Um, and thankfully, sort of last last couple of weeks, it's ramped up a little bit in terms of um, the sort of content we've had to do. But yeah, I mean, as you said, it's probably mentally more than anything uh, due a break after watching um, that sort of car crash last season. Um, but I think I've, I was probably ready to to start going back to games maybe a bit sooner than uh, the rest of you were, given that you had to do the whole cycle for much, much longer than me last season. Um, so now I'm looking forward to it. I think uh, I think Aldis Park might be slightly different to some of the grounds we sampled towards the end of last season, but uh, I'm still still looking forward to it, a sort of different um, type of atmosphere. And I'm sure a lot of a lot of Norwich fans are looking forward to it. I think that this is the, the best thing about pre-season really is you can't really lose. I mean, even if they go and lose 2-0 to Deerham, it doesn't really matter. And, uh, you know, we've all got back into the swing of, of getting to watch Norwich City. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, <laughs> thankfully, the uh, the flat search looks like it's it's coming to an end before long. So, uh, yeah, that's that's good news. Good stuff. Well, you're not going to be going to deadline day, which is uh, which is the, the main thing. Hopefully, um, with Sam looking for a flat in Norwich, obviously the the talk is about whether Timu Piki will be looking for a flat outside Norwich um, come the end of the summer. We've we've uh, we're recording this on uh, when Tuesday. Tuesday is today, um, and quotes have uh, have emerged from Timu Piki's agent speaking about his client's future. Timu Piki's future, obviously, beyond this transfer window, there's been lots of speculation around that. We've put it to Timu Piki on a few occasions and he's been somewhat non-committal beyond saying that he'd be back for Norwich at the start of, of pre-season. That's been repeated by his agent as well with perhaps a little bit more colour um, around how Timu Piki wants to play at a higher level. Um, we're going to bring you a chat with the journalist who broke this story um, a little bit later on in the show. We're going to have a little bit of chat about it first. But, Pad, this is, this is probably... Um, the news that we expected, albeit probably the news that Norwich City fans and everyone associated with Norwich City probably wouldn't want to hear because it involves the fact that a striker who scored 11 goals and a bulk of Norwich City's goals last season in the Premier League is at least contemplating the idea of potentially leaving the club this summer. Now, we're going to wrap a lot of context and a lot of our understanding into this chat as well. But as an initial kind of, um, I suppose, light on the dashboard, it's one that Norwich City fans wouldn't want to have seen at this stage of, of the transfer window. No, but I mean, we've done various chats, even in this relatively abbreviated off-season, where we have discussed the various scenarios. So, you know, it isn't a huge surprise, um, but troubling nonetheless, because for reasons you state, you know, the primary objective for Norwich and the Dean Smith is to get back out of that championship as soon as possible, and ideally this coming season, and their chances uh, improve dramatically slash decline dramatically if Timu Puki isn't part of the equation. So um, there's so many factors involved in that and how it will play out from here. But fundamentally, Timu Puki at 32 years of age, off the back of another season when he's in double figures in the Premier League, wanting to stay in the Premier League, that's hardly a newsflash, is it? Why wouldn't he? Because, you know, his, his time at the top, top level isn't, particularly long now and and how many more seasons could he get and could he maintain the levels he showed in the previous two Premier League seasons so yeah I mean we'll get into a little bit more depth about the uh, the, the conversation we had with the journalist who's spoken to Timu's agent Timu Turunen but uh, it's very clear that, that driving this isn't any financial consideration it's purely the footballing dimension of Timu Puki wanting to play at the highest level possible and clearly believing and I don't think there's too many would disagree with him 
that he's good enough to play at the highest level. Um, and that highest level, as we understand it, is the Premier League. There, there is interest from abroad, as in mainland Europe. Um, but that isn't really where he's looking at. He, he wants to be in the Premier League and playing for a Premier League club. So that's where we're working outwards from. And, and whether he'll get that wish or whether he won't, um, what it does do is inject more uncertainty into the, the whole build-up now. We're talking about Deere being the opening pre-season friendly. You could really do without if you're Dean Smith and Stuart Webber uh, the backdrop of this um, ally to, to all the other bits and pieces that go with the transfer window and the overhang that the, se- the season's well underway before the, the window closes. That really doesn't aid the process of hitting the ground running, winning games of football and turning the page conclusively on last season. Um, but I fear this could run and run because, um, you know, if that is the desire that's been expressed from Timu through his agent to Norwich City, which we understand it is, then then I don't think it ends here. I think it, it's very much clearly now out there and um, the Premier League interest that is already there may smoke out even a little bit more. So uh, I think there's going to have to be some, sadly, more of these type of stories and Norwich fans are going to have to brace for a level of uncertainty, which isn't helpful or conducive to putting the foundations in place to come back at the first attempt. No. So, so what I'll do is I'll, I'll read the quotes in full because I think they're, they're quite interesting. Um, but also we can then wrap around a lot of context around it. So this is what, um, this is what Timo Puki's agent Timo Turunen said to uh, MTV sports in Finland. I won't even try the, the Finnish pronunciation of sports because that won't end up well for anyone. Um, but he said, uh, it's not the optimal situation that the club is in the championship. That's clear. Negotiations are going on all the time. It is then a different matter whether it leads to anything. However, Timu is the kind of player that every player should be, that as long as there is a contract, their own business is done with honour. The starting point is that Timu will go back to Norwich for a training session. But if something happens before the end of August, I don't know. Yes, Timu has a desire to play at as high a level as possible. He then went on to add, uh, the problem is that Timu is too valuable a player for Norwich and that he's 32 years old. This equation is difficult to solve. The player is too valuable for the current club and the player for, and the player from the Premier League is too expensive for the alternative club. If you think about what has been acquired in Norwich in recent years, their money has been burnt there as well. You don't get cheap a man uh, with more than 10 or 20 goals as Timu has been for the past few years. The other side of this is what Timu represents to the club. He's a star player for fans, sponsors and the entire community. This creates a rather big value that an individual player creates for the club. Everything, everything has its price in football, but at the moment the price tag of this equation may only be too high for the other party who would be ready for the player in their rank. So that, I think, the last or second half of those quotes are really interesting because that, Sam, indicates that there is an understanding from Timu's side and Timu's representative side that any deal this summer may be difficult to strike. And particularly with what we said, that if that pool is narrow, which as we understand, he'd be looking at certainly the Premier League, possibly La Liga, but beyond that, it would probably be difficult to entice Timu Puki away from Norwich City this summer for any other European club. So that you've, you've narrowed your club there, uh, you're, you're pulled down there, sorry, to, to 20 clubs. You can then discount the very, very top elite clubs who will be looking at, at different markets. So you're then narrowing that down further. That's a very limited pool of clubs initially. You then bring in his contractual situation, his age as well, the price that, that those clubs will be looking to play. And there is probably some realism on on his heart, on his half and uh, behalf, sorry, and his agent's behalf that a move would probably be difficult to strike because of his value to Norwich City, possibly outweighing what um, his value would be to a buying club. 
Yeah, and that's the the problem, really. I think if if Puki was twenty five, there probably wouldn't be too much of a dis- discussion to be had because, you know, if if he was twenty five, he'd be worth thirty million, and, and Norwich would back themselves to to reinvest that in the championship, probably across a, a number of players. They'd hope to do that a little bit better than they did last summer. But the fact is, um, with his age and contractual status, you're not really looking at much more than than ten million, and that says an absolute maximum. So. Um, I think that's where things get slightly complicated um, and that's probably where Norwich fans who are hopeful they can hold on to Timi Puki are, are probably looking for a little bit of comfort um, because you're not going to see those sorts of crazy offers that Norwich, you know, can't possibly turn down. And I think, you know, just from scanning sort of social media and um, canvassing opinion on what Norwich fans think of this, I saw a lot of wishing him well and saying, you know, you can't really begrudge him a, a move. And I would understand that rationale maybe slightly more if it was a sort of Wendy situation where, you know, they got thirty-three million pounds from Aston Villa, and that's what he was worth, um, and that 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 was a good amount of money to Norwich at that time. Whereas with with Puki, if he leaves, yes, you you couldn't begrudge him it um, to a certain extent because of what he's given to this football club, but what they'd be getting in return would be absolutely nowhere near what what they have in terms of Tammy Pookie and, and the value that he brings to, to that Norwich team. You know, you're looking at, let's say, 8 million, um, which I think probably would be around the the amount that it, that might even be towards the, the upper end of what they would be able to get for him. And um, I don't think you can sign a striker that's even close to a guarantee to score the number of championship goals that you know for sure that Tammy Pookie is going to score next season with that amount of money. And that's, that's what makes it difficult for Norwich, really. And that's what means they would lose all round, at least with the Buendia deal and similar deals that have gone before it, Ben Godfrey, Jamal Lewis, James Madison, at least they were getting significant sums, you know, comparative to the size of the football club and, and their finances um, that they could then reinvest. Whereas with Puki, it, it's not the same situation and it almost feels like a, a lose, 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 apart from for Puki, who, who obviously would satisfy that ambition in his career. And, and you can understand that he's 32. It could be that in two years, his, his legs are gone. You, you look at the, the steep decline of somebody like Grant Holt, who is a, a club legend at Norwich, consistently scored goals and then went to Wigan and struggled to make an impact in the championship. So you know how quickly things can tail off. And it could be that if he doesn't get a move this summer, um, he'll never he'll never play in, in the top flight again, even. So you can understand it. But I uh, I, I can't see where Norwich just from a purely business and footballing point of view would would benefit from this. No, and then, and then you have to weigh it up again against what promotion to the Premier League is worth. And, and 8 million compared to promotion to the Premier League, which obviously their chances of that, I think everyone would agree, is significantly enhanced with Timu Puki leading their strike force. And, and, and as you mentioned, the goals that he almost guarantees, um, that, again, you, you're essentially slashing your chances in half. You're slashing your chances of Premier League promotion as well, and and the asset that that he is to Norwich City makes him pretty, I would imagine, unattainable for a lot of clubs and where they would be willing to pay for a 32-year-old, albeit one who has scored more than 20 goals in his last two seasons at Premier League level, which is um, more, for example, than, than Neil Morpé has done in both of the seasons that they've been in the Premier League at the same time. And we know the fee that he commanded because of his age. And the other element to this pad is Timu Buki's contractual situation, which everyone will know. He was out of contract this summer. Norwich triggered the club option that they have um, on his his Premier League money. So at a significant cost for them by championship um, standards as well. But there is this this element where if he has communicated to the club that 
he wishes to go and explore other opportunities, particularly in, in the Premier League. Um, he has one year left on his contract. He could um, realistically come January, then be um, open to looking at a pre-contractual agreement with clubs overseas. He, of course, then in 12 months, he's able to go and sign for anyone that he likes. Um I guess a lot of that may come down to what Norwich's position looks like. But as we understand it, there, there haven't been talks over a, a, a new deal at this stage, certainly not formally and certainly not um, to a point where there's been an offer put on the table from Norwich City. So there is maybe an argument of, well, do you cash in the asset that you have or actually do you take the gamble, as we said, knowing how big he is um, to the squad and what he could mean for their promotion chances next season? Do you take that gamble knowing that you could then lose that asset on a free next summer and take the hit? It's it's a difficult one to weigh up because there's a financial and business maybe perspective that says it's pragmatic and sensible to then cash in on the asset. But from a sporting perspective, it probably doesn't make much sense. And if you're Dean Smith, you certainly want Timu Puki leading your line next season. So this this adds another facet into what makes Timu Puki's situation so interesting and and probably so unique away from, from the other assets that Norwich City have at the club at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I take take your point on board about the financial aspect of cashing in now, but that's a false economy because you get eight million. We'll say now this summer, you've dramatically weakened your ability to score goals in the championship. You don't get out of the league, then where's your revenue coming from there? Whereas you keep him in the ranks, he stays clear of injury, and and his his powers don't wane dramatically over the next period, nine months or so. And there's a far far better chance that Norwich are back in the Premier League, and as a result, the Premier League revenue tap is turned fully on again. So, I think it's black and white. It's absolutely cut and shut. You cannot afford, if you're Norwich City, to let Timu Puki walk out the door. And if that meant uh, he stayed for one more season, which is the period of his current contract now, the the option that's been extended, and he left for zero next summer, well. Hello, they got him for zero. They got him for a free transfer. He'll have given them the, the levels of service per transfer fee, i.e. zero, unrivaled. There, there won't be another Norwich player in the history of this football club who was repaid more beyond the realms of whatever Norwich paid for them initially. And in his case, as I say, don't want to keep labouring the point, but a free transfer. So if he went for a free transfer, so be it. Um, if, you know, even with him in the ranks, it hasn't been quite good enough to get back to the Premier League. Uh, and then he can go off and explore whatever he wants to explore. But right here, right now, Norwich have to put Norwich first, I'm afraid. They have to be very pragmatic. Um, and what makes me think that, that they could do that and not have a scenario where uh, the individual toys went out of the pram, he didn't want to be here, he made it quite clear he didn't want to be here, and he downed tools. That's not going to happen with Team Pookie. There's no way on earth. Um, and, you know, the, the chat I've had with, with the Finnish journalist, the, the quotes themselves from his agent, uh, indicate that this is a guy who will honour his contract and that he isn't motivated by money in that regard and he does have values and he does, you know, you know, he is a family man. And and, and for those reasons, I, I I really, yes, of course, he'd be unhappy if if this summer comes and goes and he's he's not afforded the opportunity to go back to the Premier League, particularly as we, we can understand there is interest there. So, yes, he's not going to be happy, but by no manner of means do I think then that you would see him, you know, adopt... Maybe some of the behaviours we could associate with a certain Argentinian who used to form a deadly double act with him. Um, and maybe one other person I'm thinking of as well, but I won't name him. But uh, so, so for me, if that's the case, and you know that this player, while unhappy, would stay firmly on side and would give everything still in a Norwich shirt for the remaining 12 months of his contract, 
you keep him because there's no financial consideration. And we've not even got into how on earth do you placate a fan base who in many regards are very frustrated uh, and unhappy at what happened last year. And then they see for the second summer running their best player, they're walking out the door. And let's be honest, for the money they get, not adequately replaced, puts an awful lot of stress then on a Josh Sargent or an Adam Eder, irrespective of who else they brought in, which they'd have to do, to, to weigh in with the goals. And let's be honest, Smith, Shakespeare, Weber, those players, they don't need any more, you know, angst amongst the fan base because they're, they're going to be carrying enough of it as it is going into this season. Uh, if they don't start well, it'll be there again because it's just under the surface. So, you know, once you factor in that on top of the financial element, on top of the what it would do to their bid to come back at the first attempt, for me, it's case closed. There shouldn't be any consideration from Norwich City's point of view this summer to depart Team Ipuki back to the Premier League. That just makes no footballing or financial sense for me. Yes, of course, there's the players' wishes. But as I say, to repeat what we know of him and what both his agent and the journalist who's broken the story has said to me, you won't have a situation on your hands where Dean Smith is a there's a stick of dynamite he's trying to deal with in the dressing room. That just wouldn't happen with Team Ipuki. No, absolutely not. And, and I suppose, I mean, you've mentioned the, the perspective of the fans as well, but it's also the perspective of those in the dressing room with Timu Puki, because if you're turning up to Colney one day and, and you're thinking, right, OK, we're, we're putting a squad together for a championship push. What, we've just sold Timu Puki? Why, why have we done that? That's not that's not a club that is is going for championship promotion, is it? So I think all of these things you, you have to consider. Um, and of course, in the background as well, there is the chance that he could potentially overtake Ewan Roberts. He could join uh, or become only the fourth player to, to score 100 goals for Norwich City. How important that is to him, only he would be able to answer, but he's still a, a massive landmark in terms of the club. If he scores over 22 goals, I think next season, he will he will reach that feat. That's uh, that's pretty staggering that, that there's even a chance for him to do that, let alone if he actually went and did it. So all of that probably makes a summer exit unlikely for Timu Puki. And, and to be fair, his agent in his quotes probably outlines the reasons why that is as well, with quite a stinging analysis of Norwich City's re- recent recruitment in there for good measure as well. But the hope is that he will look behind him uh, on the opening day of the championship season. There will be more creativity. There will be a better supply line. And hopefully that is enough, coupled with what you've said there about his character and personality, for him to be content to give his all for the for the next season for Norwich City, which is ultimately what they're going to need in the championship. Um, Pad, I'll, I'll probably throw it back over to you really to introduce this chat with with the, the Finnish journalists that, that we've managed to get. You can watch the full video on our channels um, once this podcast is up. If you go to our YouTube page, you'll be able to to watch it in full unedited form. We're going to play a clip of it for you now. Um, but but Pad, I'll, I'll throw it over to you to, to introduce him and, uh, and talk a little bit about the chat that you had with him as well. Yeah, I mean, basically, the guy's name is Via Vico Valta. Um, I know that because he gave me a pronunciation lesson at the that's, start. That's, of the that's also why I threw it over to you, so I didn't have to say his name. I thought it was, kind of, yeah. It's not just numbers you struggle with, is it? It's languages as well, clearly. <laughs> but uh, And he is, as you've already teed up initially, um, the journalist for, for the Finnish TV station, he said, although they have a few other uh, multimedia outlets. But essentially, they're known in Finland as one of the main broadcasters. He's spoken... Uh, directly to Timu's representative. Again, we'll, we'll repeat the name, Timu Turunen. And, uh, and we've digested the quotes. But um, but that interview, is there's a little bit more background in there and, and maybe you get a sense of how the Pookie camp, for want of a better label, feel about it and, and why they why they have reached the position they have, why Timu has, 
Um, but also, you know, a bit more, bit more detail into, you know, why they don't think it will probably happen because of the reasons we've discussed in detail and, you know, some, some nice stuff about, you know, why, 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 what is the motivation for Timu and, um, and what if, as I portrayed to, to, to via, uh, the scenario that it doesn't happen for him and that he stays here. Um, and again, we've touched on that, but, but to hear it from the guy who's, as I say, spoken to team as representative, um, very enlightening and, and just embellishes or adds another layer of context to those quotes, which we've obviously put out there on the Pikmin channels and, and we've spent the best part of the first 20 odd minutes of this podcast digesting. So well worth going and having a listen, uh, sorry, and a watch any of our Pinkin video channels. You'll find that now. And here's a, a, a little taster for you on this week's podcast as well. Delighted to say I'm joined by uh, Via from uh, Finnish TV station. I'll just make sure I get the pronunciation right. MTV Sports. Um, and Via is going to uh, talk to us because it's his story that's breaking uh, over here in the UK uh, just before Tuesday lunchtime um, regarding uh, a very well-known footballer for Norwich City, Timu Puki, and potentially... Um, some news around where his future lies. Um, so I'll get Via to, to sort of talk us through the story. But just to recap, uh, as we all know from, from a Norwich perspective, Timu Puki, 12-month extension was taken up by the football club at the start of the summer. So he's technically contracted to, to Norwich until the summer of 2023. Um, but there's a suggestion uh, from you know people close to him in, in his camp that maybe Timu feels that at the time might be right this summer as opposed to 2023. So, Via, just um, you, you've spoken to, to Timu's agent, haven't you? So I'll, I'll let you tell the story. Yeah. Yeah, I spoke to him and uh, he was pretty straightforward with everything. So um, the thing is, uh, uh, they feel like uh, it's a right moment to... Well, not necessarily right moment to leave Norwich, but... Uh, they feel like Demu is uh, at um, at a certain level, uh, which is required uh, in the Premier League, and uh, they feel like uh, he's a Premier League player, and uh, that's why it might be uh, best to you know depart Norwich. I mean, in terms of uh, having spoken to his agent, I mean, have have they communicated that to Norwich? Um, did, did he did he let you know that? Have they more or less suggested that he would seize his future elsewhere this summer? Yeah, they uh, they've been having uh, talks with uh, Norwich, and uh, uh, from what I understand, uh, directly to uh, directly with uh, Stuart Weber, uh, they've been talking about. Uh, uh the club letting uh Timu potentially leave to another club of course there's going to be a, a some sort of uh transfer fee involved of course but um yeah um he described that uh, the talks are ongoing as we uh like the talks are still ongoing we live Norwich city the builder the passion the drama. The last minute winners. The debate. That's why we've created Pink and Plus. Plus. The app that takes you beyond the headlines. With exclusive columns, blogs, podcasts and videos 
We've got you covered. Subscribe today. Pink and Plus. Stay ahead of the game. Download now on the App Store and on Google Play. There we go. Hopefully that's uh, the last time we're, we're talking about Timu Puki from a from a transfer speculation angle. Hopefully he comes up regularly in podcasts over the summer because he's scoring goals in various locations in uh, in Europe, be it Germany, France, Scotland, Cambridge, Kings Lynn. Uh, probably not at Deerham though, um, I, I hasten to add due to his, his international um, commitments and uh, his well-earned rest that he's, he's probably having at the moment in Kosovo, it looks like, at a wedding, which uh, he looked like he enjoyed that, didn't he, from the various videos that have been circulating around social media. But um, gents, if we, if we move on then, and, and talk a little bit about the fixtures. Um, you guys were, were obviously covering it on the day. I, I was making my way up to Headingley to watch uh, to watch England's test against New Zealand. They're already two 0 up, so um, that was quite interesting. I saw a very bizarre wicket, but I, I, by the looks of your guys' faces, you're not particularly interested in that, so I won't run you through it. Um, but Sam uh, Cardiff away, we we reported that it was go- it was likely to be an away game because of obviously the work that's going on at Carrow Road, uh, coupled with obviously the the pride stuff that is happening that weekend. It's a, a long trip, actually the first six away games, which beyond Birmingham, although that's in midweek, so you have to put that caveat on it. There's uh, we, we're probably going to have to fill the car up for for a, quite a few long trips yeah and uh I'll, I'll take pride in in calling it to start off with i did say i think uh on whether it was i think it was on on this podcast um but i did say i expected uh that to be the case cardiff or swansea i said so um you know one and two and i, I got it there um but yeah other than that not really too many reasons to be optimistic about it uh off the pitch obviously we've got a lot of a lot of traveling um ahead of us. I'm sure Paddy's not too disappointed to be missing out on that one. Um, but on the pitch, I think Norwich fans will be quite pleased with that. Cardiff, I think, have been quite active in the transfer market. So that, that suggests they may be slightly different to last season, but based on recent evidence in terms of their performance in the championship, um, with all due respect, you wouldn't really expect them to be in and around the areas of the table that Norwich are hoping to be next season. So um, I think on paper, it looks like a a relatively good start on the pitch for for Norwich. Um, a lot of a lot of hard work, as I said, for for Norwich fans and for travelling Norwich fans in those early parts. But I think Cardiff is a, a good sort of middle of the road start on the pitch, and probably a, a good measuring stick for for where the Championship is. There's been a lot of talk this summer since relegation, really, about the strength of the Championship and the widening gap between the uh, first and, and second tiers. And I think. Cardiff, a team that have traditionally over the last few years been in the sort of mid-table area, are going to offer a, a good a good example and a good way of, of assessing what the championship is like at this stage. I think it's a, a decent start for Norwich, but also not a walk in the park by championship standards. And uh, yeah, I think they'll be, they'll be happy with that. Um, I, I've got a, a, an image in front of me that actually um, kind of paints out the, the fixtures based on among the six strongest teams, amongst the seven weakest based on kind of the bookmakers odds. And actually you you look along that, how much sort of you want to read into this, I suppose is, is up to you really. Ultimately, I mean, for me, it's, it's a bit, you play everyone twice home and away. It's just what order it comes in. But actually you, you look at that uh, and Norwich seem to have a relatively kind start and there doesn't seem to be any particular run of time where they're facing any of those who are ranked as the six kind of favourites for the division at any one point there's there's uh, September for example where they play two in in, in three games um, but 
beyond that, again in October, the the same really, two in, two in three games. But there's no real headache runs where you look at Watford who who start with their, their opening three games actually are against teams who are in that bracket. So you look at that pad and you think actually if you're to analyse the the fixture list, so to speak, you'd probably say from a Norwich perspective, the start is relatively kind. Um, but also there's a nice spread in terms of when they play those teams who may be their promotional rivals this season, albeit with kind of the caveat that this is the championship. And of course, there's always one who emerges that perhaps nobody expects or a team that is slightly stronger than than people expect as well. Plus, we don't know where Norwich City are exactly going to be ranking. But to take it purely on the graphic that I have in front of me, um, it does look like a relatively even well-spread out fixture list from Norwich City's perspective. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um in terms of long hauls, again, I don't know why we keep, well, we constantly come back to the amount of miles we have to do. But uh, there was only, I think, I looked pre-Christmas and there was only Reading that was a, a long, long haul midweek. But as much as we have to do the travel, it's the same for Dean Smith and his players. So, you know, I'm sure they'll be very happy that they're not going to be, you know, obviously you go to Cardiff on a Saturday, but it's a slightly different weekend than it is a, a midweek. So it, it does look, Fairly, fairly generous, if I'm honest. I, I'm not really, yeah, for those reasons, Connor. I mean, who at this stage last season would have said Luton and Huddersfield would be in the playoffs and they would be teams you'd have to catch. So I, I'm not really one for kind of breaking it down into a bracket of tough teams, mid, middle table ones and the lower end ones. It, it It's more, it looks the sort of fixture list where Norwich, if they could get a bit of momentum going, um, they'd fancy their chances. I mean, I, you know, having said that, I'm going to contradict myself because I've looked at Christmas and can Luton replicate what they did last season? I think that'll be very tough. So to go to Luton Boxing Day and then have Reading reverse fixture at Car Road and okay, Watford New Year's Day, but you know that that wouldn't scare me. And, and even even the running, if, I, if which you know saw Alex Neil, formerly of the Parish, talking about so many different scenarios could be in play for Sunderland over the run-in, which is why he places such an emphasis on where, by looking at those fixtures, you like to think there's not quite as many scenarios for Norwich in terms of a negative aspect, or otherwise the season really has gone in a downward spiral. But, you know, QPR, Russell Martin, Swansea, if it's still Russell Martin, West Brom away, that, that could be a tough one. And then Blackpool to finish. Well, you know, again... It'd be nice to think that that Blackpool uh, game on the the sixth of May is there's a bit of a promotion vibe to that. Um, but yeah, ultimately, rather than me wanting to sort of focus too much on specific teams or clumps of fixtures or times of the year, I've said it a few times now. It, it doesn't look for me the st- stronger championship is the one they exited two years ago or maybe even last year. I think the three best teams definitely went out of the division in Fulham, Watford, sorry. Fulham, Bournemouth and Forest. They were the three best teams for me. And I look at that league now and I I don't see, you know, the company factor at Burnley. They, they've made a few signings. The, the boys Twine has gone in there, hasn't he? But that will probably ensure they're at the, the right end of the table. I think Wilder at Borough, you, you'd be a fool to discount him and that club. So there's two there I'd pick out. But other than that, I'm not seeing anything that should really scare Norwich if Norwich can put their own house in order. I think it's a very very amenable championship division this season coming um, and Norwich with a fair wind with a group of players they've got that they'd hopefully add to either this window in January uh, and Smith, the coach who built teams at Brentford and Villa, then, you know, you'd have to be disappointed if Norwich aren't 
in the thick of it at the right end of the table. Yeah, and the bookmakers agree with you because at this early stage, Norwich City are favourites to to win the championship title um, at this stage, which is maybe based on on what's happened historically in the, in the last two times that they've been in that division. Of course, a lot of the squad is still there, um, important pillars of the squad as well. But um, Sam, I mean, it's it's it is it is going to be fascinating because it does feel like, particularly this time and with the context of last season and how rapidly Carrow Road was emptying and the general mood around the place, that a fast start is really important for Norwich City. It hasn't necessarily felt like that in the last two seasons that they've had at this level where they have started slowly traditionally and that was under a different head coach and with largely a, a different set of, of players as well or some different players um, as well. Um, but it does feel like this time both for Dean Smith and obviously a lot of the feelings that Norwich City have towards him at the moment are based on a campaign that okay a lot of people are, are saying probably wasn't solely responsible down to, to him um, but by the same token that the only memories they have with him at the moment are, are, are negative ones ultimately so in order to shift that narrative the only way you do that is by winning games with the pressure on the squad on the club on certain members within the club it does feel like the first six games and probably marking their card in those six games, it does feel really important, not just for how the season might pan out, but also for the general mood around the place and the pressure around the place as well. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, as you highlighted, they've they've struggled with slow starts the last couple of times, and I don't think they can really afford to do that. Um, part of me wonders if that was behind the pre-season, which, you know, with all due respect to the teams that they're playing, isn't necessarily uber difficult to start off with obviously they've got that trip to Oldest Park to play Deerham and then um, I think when they go to Germany it's Jan Regensburg a Zweite Bundesliga side uh, which is the second division and they're sort of mid-table in that league as well then they come back play uh, I believe it's Kings Lynn after that um, Cambridge mixed in there as well although I think that's after Marseille but when you round it all up there's probably only Marseille and Celtic that uh similar to, well, I, th- I think Marseille are obviously above championship level, but they've not got too many championship level teams to play against. And I think that might be to do with the confidence element and the momentum element that's been lacking for at least a year now since they uh, they won that championship title. Um, so, yeah, I think Dean Smith is probably wary of that. I'm sure the sort of uh, PR team at Norwich are wary of that as well in terms of the sort of sorts of reactions they've been getting for for things recently and they'll be aware of the mood um and as we all know that the best way to turn around a mood in a football club is to start winning games so I think they have the a start which definitely gives them the opportunity to do that without being you know easy or or the the first six fixtures you you'd pick it's definitely could be a lot harder and I think it, it gives them an opportunity um so hopefully they can sort of kick on in pre-season and Dean Smith can be ready to go by the start of the season. I mean, the the worrying element is that if you look at the the last two slow starts that they've had, arguably they would have been the two seasons, if you include this one out of the three, that you would have expected to start best. I mean, the, the last two times they didn't have a new manager that was still figuring out um, the, the squad. They weren't coming off a 22-point miserable relegation although obviously last time that was that 21 point relegation um I think it felt slightly better at that time and probably the atmosphere around the club was better and the the players at the at the club at that time in my opinion were better so you know it's not 
it's not exactly the ideal situation, but you do wonder if that was anything to do with Daniel Farker's sort of methods. Obviously, we know how hard he likes to work the players and given the traditional values of pre-season and how people see that, maybe that had an impact. Um, so, yeah, I think that's key. But I think, importantly, the signs we're getting is that everybody knows at the football club that it's key. So they've they've sort of wired things to to be aware of that and to go into it um, being aware of that and, and hopefully they can um, sort of channel that in the best way. Absolutely. A couple of, uh, of kind of other points, I suppose, to raise before we, we look ahead to Friday's uh, game. Um, the kit will, will be released on, on Thursday, not on uh, not not today or Tuesday at nine o'clock, where the club did a, a very good video actually on, on, on mental health awareness in association with with mine that was um, that was narrated by Stephen Fry. I don't know where they got that idea from, um, but it was it was very good. Well, well produced. And uh, I know that they've, they've kind of had a lot of criticism for, for some of their output on their various channels. This was was exceptional, I thought, and, and really captured um, the the message of the campaign that they're trying to to launch very nicely uh, on the kit. It will be yellow and green. If it's not pinstripes, I'm not interested. Um, let's let's move on. Uh, Pad, Oldest Park, that's the, the first destination for Norwich City on what is um, a fairly hefty pre-season in terms of mileage. I mean, we've we've spoken about... Uh, get the violins out again. We've already spoke, we've spoken about mileage already on this podcast a few times, but it involves, uh, what, three, three different countries, is it? Four, I suppose, if you, if you count our own. Um, a lot of travelling in that as well. It all starts at Oldest Park on Friday. We're going to hear from Durham Towns manager Adam Gusterson in a moment. I had a chat with him earlier on. That's a, an interesting segment from their perspective. But from Norwich's angle, what will they be looking to to extract from this from this friendly against um, against Durham Town? It's, it's probably fitness ultimately, isn't it, in the first one? But but probably that they will want some of what Sam has spoken about there. You, you want to see a little bit maybe of of Smith's tactical ideas as well as probably um, some uh, well a win ultimately that will that will maybe help cheer everyone up a little bit after a dismal Premier League campaign. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's more, I'd like to see an Omabama Daly or an Ida on the park, looking fit, looking fresh. Um, even Josh Sargent, you know, players who, who missed out towards the end of last season, just to give it that sense that, you know, the, the dial can, can turn now and that, you know, there is a, a collection of players still, you know, despite, you know, they'll now have that label relegated Premier League players and they'll have to carry that, as Dean Smith said. You know, they're no longer Premier League players. They are championship players and they need to deal with that, the ones who are still going to be on board beyond September the 1st and the transfer window. But um, just a sense of renewal, that's what I'd like to see. Um, I wouldn't pay too much heed to not even the result, but even even the performance. I think it's very much uh, this level of preset, at this stage against this level of opposition. Um Really about fitness, and this is incorporated into. I'm sure, as as they as they would have done every other preseason, they'll probably be training on 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 Friday. You know, they'll probably be doing a, a session or two before they even get to all this. So, you know, you'll see huge amounts of rotation in terms of minutes on the pitch. So, really, it's just for me, it's more the the um, the visual sight of some young talent, and you could even throw the Rose and and spring it into that. Maybe even a Kamara. We might see him, Tomkinson. These lads, Flynn Clark, that would be that would be one I'd like to have a look at as well. And there's a lot of talk about him and uh, you know some of the abilities he could bring to a midfield, which was patently lacking in certain areas last season. Um, the, the sight of those type of players because that would give us an insight into to Dean Smith's thinking. Really, you know, the group he has at Deerum, you would think uh, are probably the ones where he feels are, are going to be part of the journey moving forward. 
Um, you know, we did a Q&A earlier in the week, myself and Samuel, and uh, it would appear Josh Martin is training with the 23s. That doesn't suggest that he's in Dean's thinking moving forward and possibly... If you if you role play that one out, probably means he's going to be be off and out somewhere else and out the door. Um, so, yeah, for me for me it's which personnel and 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 the ones that you think can renew and refresh was felt like a very tired and jaded squad towards the end of last season. That's what I'm most looking for from from a trip to to Durham, I think. Absolutely, it's uh, it's obviously a big occasion for for Durham. Um, they've they've had a difficult summer, which again um, Adam will will get into when when uh, when I play our chat in in just a moment time. But um, just for for those hoping to to get down, um, it's it's cash only, pay at the gate, uh, five pounds for adults and five pounds for under sixteens as well. If you want to come along to Oldest Park to watch that friendly on Friday, um, there's also obviously people who who are, who are hoping to come by car it's not the biggest car park in the world um so if you want to get a car parking space come early essentially um and there's uh, there's no additional cost for that as well so um that's hopefully all the details if you're hoping to come down on friday um sam just to to kind of throw it over to you then before we we hear from from Durham town's manager um from from an Norwich city perspective the the start of pre-season as pad said is is often about fitness you get various kind of tiers of pre-season I think you get the start of it which is very fitness based the middle of it which is about getting enough minutes into different players legs at different times and also maybe some players beginning to show performances and reasons why they should perhaps be involved and then the end of pre-season where we probably get a real look at what Dean Smith is thinking ahead of Cardiff as it will be which will probably be the um, when we head up to, to Scotland and uh, I think that's a, a trip that we're probably all really looking forward to um, so in terms of this one uh, and this kind of first phase of pre-season, it's going to be, as we've said, probably a different Norwich squad in terms of, we're probably not going to, well, we're not going to see Timmy Puki at Oldest Park. We're not going to see Tim Krul. We're not going to see Danel Sanani. We're not going to see if all of those players who've been on international duty might not see Isaac Hayden as well. So it, it does feel like there's probably an opportunity for, particularly if you look at those young players, an opportunity for them to get their noses ahead in, in terms of the competition before those players come back. I'm thinking someone like John Rowe, who didn't get a start in the Premier League, a really good start, middle and end to pre-season, probably puts him firmly in Dean Smith's thoughts, obviously ahead of some players who are probably going to come back and uh, and be assessed. So it's opportunity knocks for a lot of Norwich City players. Yeah, and look no further than the impact Todd Cantwell made in pre-season of 2019. It wasn't really anywhere close to the starting eleven when that started, obviously, had just sort of come through the academy and started making um, first-team appearances here and there in that 18-19 championship winning season. And no, no, Hernandez was far ahead of him in the pecking order. Um, Campbell has an excellent pre-season, really impresses Daniel Farker, works hard um, physically, I believe, at that time. He'd he'd come back in a much greater state than he was when they left at the end of the season as well. Forced his way into Daniel Farker's, start, Daniel Farker's thinking and then he's starting at Anfield on the first day of the season. So, shows you what what sort of impact a, a positive preseason can have especially for a young player who maybe has a point to prove to a, a manager or has certain areas of the game which the the manager has said they need to improve um you know we don't know yet what sort of work the likes of John Rowe Tony Springett have been doing this summer but i imagine there'll be certain things given how sort of uh, ruthlessly and and uh in such detail they look at how players can improve I'm sure they know exactly what they can get better at and it's it's been you know it's their prerogative to go and go away and get better at that so we'll I'm looking forward to seeing if there's 
any noticeable changes in the play of players like that. Equally, um, sort of the more established young players like Andrew Amabamadele or Adam Eder, who have had a lot of time, you know, on the uh, the physios table to think about how how to improve themselves and how they can force themselves into Dean Smith's starting eleven come the start of the season. Um, I think Adam Eder is actually probably pretty similar to that Todd Cantwell. Uh, example, if you look at their sort of stature in the in the team and in the pecking order for starting, so I'm looking forward to seeing what sorts of improvements we have there. But like you say, with the established players away having extended breaks because of that time with um, international sides, it it does give them a few weeks to really impress Dean Smith and, and get a head start. I think um, that's probably an area where Stuart Webber might be looking to save a little bit of money. And I think in his interview. For club media at the end of the season when he did that sort of assessment there was a little section where he was talking about the players that maybe might feel slightly like new signings this summer um and it's it's down to them the likes of not only the the really young players but the likes of sam mccallum who have been out on loan um they've got head starts and i'm sure they'll be um you know looking to, to get ahead as as you sort of suggested there are different stages of pre-season and i don't think dean smith's going to be basing too much on how good a player looks against Deerham Town, but you know it does. If it, I think the the hard work will will be what impresses him in the early stages of the preseason. If they can put that in, they probably get the chances to to show their technical quality against the likes of Marseille, Celtic, Hibernian, and it will be based on those performances that that Dean Smith will pick his eleven for the start of the season. So yeah, lots of opportunity, and I'm looking forward to seeing who uh, who sort of grasps those. Absolutely right. Well, he's a, a chat with Adam Gustafson, first team manager at Deerham Town. Uh, he, he sort of lets us know what, what he's expecting from the game on Friday as well, but also how big an opportunity this is for, for their football club to have Norwich City rolling into town on Friday night. Delighted to be joined by Adam Gustafson, Deerham Town's first team manager. Um, Gus, how are you preparing for, for this game on, on Friday? It's... Um, Obviously, an interesting one because it's a pre-season friendly. But even though it's a pre-season friendly, it's one against Norwich City, and and that name coming to Oldest Park and coming into town, I suppose, for you guys is is absolutely massive, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's a fantastic fixture for us. There's no two ways about that, and um, one that we're very much very much looking forward to. Great opportunity for the players to to obviously play against professional players and pit their wits against against those sorts of players so really good for them and really exciting for them um, and yeah for us we know it's going to be a tough you know, tough night we know it's going to be a really difficult game of course and it will be a game where we, we're not going to see much of the ball and it's going to be tough you know we are going to suffer I'm sure in you know large portions of it but um, like I say it's a great opportunity for us to, to welcome a, a professional football club and, and Norwich to, to Aldous Park and we're as a club very much looking forward to uh, yeah very much looking forward to it uh, and whenever these these friendlies take place there's always a lot of kind of talk about what the professional outfit will, will get from it and it's usually viewed as a little bit of a fitness exercise for, for for those teams but from from your perspective what are you kind of obviously the club will be looking at it for as, as, as a revenue driver ultimately and getting people through the gates and experiencing Aldous Park but for, from a purely footballing perspective what will you be looking at as a manager of obviously also a team preparing to take on a, a season and obviously a new season for you guys as, uh, as well? Yeah, I mean, I think we have to take it a little bit for, for what it is. I don't think, you know, we'll have many games that will probably shape up, you know, throughout the season that will shape up probably the way Friday will shape up. So we, we kind of have to 
understand that and understand it's obviously a complete different opposition in terms of quality that we'll we'll not face again. But um, I think for us, it's that you know organisation without the ball. I mean, that's going to be the big message in training this week. It's just making sure that we've got you know organisation when we're not in possession because we know that Friday is going to be a case of that. Um, trying to, to to deal with that as best we can. Um, and, and really just the biggest thing is trying to look for our players to to enjoy the occasion and, and, and really try and take the game as though it is a normal game and, and really try and do the things that they would normally ordinarily do, if that makes sense, when they're in possession. And I think we've just got to try and be, be like that and, and, like I say, really enjoy the occasion. But, yeah, I think for us it will just be shape without the ball, trying to be as organised and as difficult to break down as we can be. Um, that is a often a, a, an attitude and concentration thing um, as well as obviously fitness that comes into that so I think you know they're the things that we'll, we'll try and take out of it it probably is back to front for us you know you'd probably want to build into playing Norwich at the back end of, of the pre-season programme for a team like us and of course Norwich will look at it in the right way you know they start with a team like us and then they build into their pre-season programme so it's going to be interesting it's going to be like I say we're going to suffer a little bit on Friday there's no two ways about that um, but go back to it, and as you said just then, it's a, a great evening for the club, and and hopefully we can you know capitalise with, with getting a good few people through the gate, and you know it gives us a, a nice start in, in that sense to, to the season ahead, really. Yeah, you, you've played in a few of these games as a player, some of them for Durham Town. What what are they like when you face Norwich City in a in a preseason friendly as a player? Is it just about as you said there, enjoying the the experience of it? Can you take stuff from it as a player uh, uh, as well? What's been kind of your experience of this fixture in the past? Yeah, I think from uh, from our side of things, you, you, as a player, you're in a bit of a no lose situation because if you you know you're playing up against a centre forward who plays. And obviously, you know, as a first team player, you're not expected to be able to to defend them. If they get the better of you, that's what's expected. And the same fall over the pitch. You know, that is the expectation. So I think from the players' approach, it is really a, an opportunity to, to, to beat yourself firstly against the, the, the best players around, which is great. But secondly, you go into it with no fear, really, because, like I say, there's no, you know, if you get skinned and roasted, um, you know, as a fullback, well, that's what's expected to happen. Do you know what I mean? So it's kind of one of those for our lads. I think that, and I'm hoping that's what, um, you know, they'll, they'll, how they'll be on Friday. It's, it's certainly not one to get nervous about or, you know, be, be apprehensive that your opponent might get the better of you. It's certainly not a game where, where you need to be thinking like that. It's one where, yeah, go out and, and, and see how, how well you against professional footballers and, and, uh, deal with that kind of no lose nothing to lose attitude which is uh, which is exactly how we're, we're hopefully going to be on Friday mm, Absolutely and I suppose on a on, on a wider kind of basis it's it's there'll be people coming to Alders Park who perhaps have never been before there'll be people who perhaps have been in the past but maybe haven't been recently how important is it for Durham Town to use this as an opportunity to advertise themselves and what they're going to be doing ahead of this season which we'll, we'll get into maybe the mechanics of what that looks like because it looks slightly different for you guys in a moment but just as a purely as an opportunity to introduce Durham Town to some people and a Norfolk local Norfolk football to people it, you, you must view this as a, a massive opportunity for the football club to, to hopefully get a few more people through the gate in the long term exactly that yeah exactly that you're right there'll be people that, uh, that will come to the game that, that won't be you know regular attendees of, of our games and some as you probably rightly say that have never even been there before so I think for us it's important that we put on um, an experience for everyone that's there and, and that's, you know, simple, just simple little things like making sure people can get a drink nice and easily, you know, people feeling 
warmth as, as as they come into the ground and you know just getting a good feel factor from from the football club and what it's about because you're right they'll they'll you know and I always think with these sorts of fixtures there'll be Norwich fans that are local that will follow Norwich and particularly probably be season ticket holders and go to home games but when Norwich are away they might not you know go to the to those games or you know if there's games on Sunday you know things like that which certainly when they weren't probably would have been a case a lot more but you know those sorts of scenarios and and people love watching football so it's just making sure that we line ourselves up as the next offering if that makes sense or do as much as we can to be that next offering for for those sorts of fans because you know we, we, we've seen it before you know we our attendances if Norwich are at home at you know three o'clock on a Saturday are probably 30 to 40 less than what they'd usually be. So there is the appetite there from Norwich fans to come and watch a local side when they can. So, you know, that's what we've got to try and focus on. And it's just about making it, a, you know, a, a nice welcoming place for, for those fans to, to come. And hopefully we do that on Friday. Obviously on the pitch, you know, hopefully we give a good account of ourselves and, and show that we're, we're a decent side and we play at a decent level, which we do. Um, and, and, you know, that might entice a few to, to sort of give us a look, uh, as you rightly say, throughout the season. So, yeah, big big night for the club, really. We've got to capitalise on it because these fixtures don't come round very often. And when they do, um, it's important that we maximise the potential from them. Absolutely. And I mean, to, to delve into kind of your situation a little bit, because the club has had a, a an interesting summer off the pitch. I mean, I, I'm obviously partially involved sometimes in terms of things off the pitch and I, I try and help out where, where I can and have done for the last couple of years but for people who maybe aren't as tuned into the club they, they maybe won't be aware but you guys were, were obviously in the Ishmael North Division last year which was a league basically containing Essex football clubs wasn't it and because of the geography and mechanics of a few Norfolk teams gaining promotion uh, and obviously lower stuff getting relegated as well that means geographically you've been pushed into a into a new league which is kind of a Midlands division so you've got a team from Norfolk playing in a mid to Midlands league which has obviously had kind of repercussions for, for you guys in terms of players maybe being unable to commit to the traveling or or whatever so I mean as a, as a challenge first and foremost what has this summer been like and are you now emerging from it although it was maybe a little bit of a kick in the teeth initially are you now emerging from it with a little bit more positivity about what the season could bring yeah I mean it's been tough it's been very tough I'm not I'm not going to Candy coat it any differently. It's it's been very challenging. We've lost a lot of players. I think the players we've lost from from this or from you know going into to, to next season is more than if you put all the players we've lost at the end of the season across um, managerial time in all of our clubs wouldn't be as much if that makes sense. So yeah. you know it gives you an idea of how many players we've we, we've we've lost and players that we wouldn't have lost had we not been moved leagues. I'm, I'm sure of that, but. Um, you know, it's like anything, isn't it? I think you have that period of um, when that happens, it's it's you know a bit doom and gloom, and it's a bit difficult to see a positive resolution to it. Whereas I think we're kind of now, well, I don't think we are coming out of that uh, side of it now, where we're we're looking ahead, we're looking at players coming in. You know, there's players that we've targeted. There's a good core for ones we really want to keep as well that's staying, um, and it's going to be a bit more of a youthful look about the side. But I don't think that's always a bad thing. So. You know, we're, we're quite excited for what we can potentially get together and, or what we can pull together in terms of the squad for next season. Um, and, and, and it will be very different, as you rightly say, to what we had last season. But, you know, ultimately, I don't always think that's the worst thing. And um, that's kind of where our, our mindset and, and belief is at the moment. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it has been... There's no two ways about it. You know, it's it's just typical, you know, more local sides have come into, into the division which we were in. It looked an appetising league for us in terms of local derbies and there was less travelling and 
you know, we've always been the side that's had to travel because we've been the only side that stepped four for a number of seasons. And and then when there's a few more to join us, uh, we get shafted out to a different league uh, and, and have even more travelling. So it's we, we do feel a bit hard done by, I'm not going to lie, and we do feel um, we've been let down a little bit by by the FA, really. I think for them to expect a club at our level to do that volume of travelling is difficult. But ultimately... Football is Saturday's your football day, and if you're travelling two more hours, so be it, kind of thing. And I think that's kind of where we're at with it now. And I'm not saying we've got reason to be optimistic looking ahead to next season now, which uh, which is all we're focusing on. Absolutely. Now I uh, I know you're an Aston Villa fan, so the the opportunity to be facing Dean Smith on Friday as as a Villa fan that must be uh, that must be quite nice for you. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, well, it's the same as like with the players as well. It's great for them to put their wits against you know professional players, and exactly the same for us and for me against you know a professional manager in terms of you know we'll get something out of it, watching what they do, and and just you know understanding the patterns of play they have, and and yeah, just we're going to get loads out of it from that side of things. Really, just just seeing what they do and how they set up and how they create things like overloads in the pitch, and and, and yeah, just kind of really watching what they do and I think for me that'll be a lot of what Friday's about just seeing what we can possibly pinch from them obviously we, we, we're not going to replicate it fully at our level but you know there are definitely going to be some some you know real key bits that we'll see and think blind that's great how they do that and you know that's fantastic and you know obviously he's done in my opinion a, a, a good job over time as a manager and done done well at Villa for sure and uh, I'm sure he'll do well with Norwich as well I think you know I'm sure that there's every chance they'll come back up again so um, yeah looking forward to, to seeing him as well but um, yeah like I say it should, all of that goes into into what should be a good night for us and yeah we're all very much uh, very much looking forward to it there we go, gents. I think that, that rounds off the, the pod. Thank you very much for, for joining me. Thank you very much for listening. We'll, of course, be at Oldest Park on Friday to bring you full uh, coverage of Norwich City's Friendly. The best place uh, to go for that is the Pink and Plus app. What better time to subscribe than the start of a new season? Hopefully a more optimistic one as well. You can get a free trial now, pinkham.com. Uh, for all the details on that, there's a tab in the top left that says uh, Pink and Plus. If you click on that, then all of the details are there for you. Um, we will uh, hopefully bring you coverage of uh, of all of if not the majority of no city's pre-season friendlies and uh, plenty more insight behind the scenes as we head in uh, well firmly into the uh, the transfer window forest i think um is is what it could become in july and august thank you very much for listening it begins again let's see how we get on see you soon Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit